Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Welcome to Jubilee Church, uh, whoever you are, wherever you are. We, we hope that you feel welcomed by us. We hope you feel loved by us. We hope you feel accepted by us, included by us. And, and today is gonna be a great day, especially if this is your first time, because we're gonna uh, dive into this new series called Assembled. And we're gonna look at really the, these biblical metaphors, these New Testament metaphors about the church. It's gonna give us a framework about what we're after here at Jubilee Church and, and, and what we're trying to do um, our goal is to regain uh, some vision for what it means to be together. We have been told for more than a, a year now why it's better that we stay apart, that we keep distance from each other and to, uh, to a degree that is a right thing, that is a good thing, that is a, that is a loving thing. However, may we never lose sight of the importance of being together. We believe that life is a, two, a team sport and, and it cannot be lived alone. And so we wanna look at these metaphors in the scriptures, uh, the metaphors that Jesus gives us to illustrate our need for him and our need for one another. So, so like I said, you're gonna learn a lot about uh, what makes us tick and what we're going for and how you can be involved. And you're gonna hear a lot about community groups. We're gonna talk a lot about uh, community groups, about being in one, about, about engaging in one. And, and in fact, I just wanna go ahead and uh, encourage you to prepare your heart, to prepare your, your mind and to prepare your schedule to be in a community group. Those are gonna launch uh, toward the end of September. And so you're gonna get a lot more information about that. In fact, we're gonna launch with our groups, just gonna, it's just gonna be a six week commitment and we're gonna launch uh, a campaign, 40 days of mental and emotional health. And there's gonna be content in groups that you can only get in groups. So I hope, hope, hope that you get involved in one of those. But like I said today, we're going to launch this new series called Assembled. And the first metaphor that we're gonna look at uh, as it relates to the church is a flock church as a flock. And if the church had a mascot, there's no doubt it would be a sheep. Um, this metaphor is used an estimated 400 times throughout the scriptures, which begs the question, why? I mean, why not an eagle? I mean, an eagle would be better. You know, it even says in Isaiah, you know, like he will renew our strength as eagles. You know, I want to soar above life's problems. I want to be victorious. I want to be, I want to be an eagle. I want to be free. Uh, but we're not eagles, we're not, we're not lions, we're not adders, we're not even oxes. We're, we're, we're nothing that feels empowering. We're sheep, which begs the question, why? If, if, if we're sheep, if, if sheep is our spirit animal, what does that say about us? What does it say about who we are? But more importantly, what does it say about God? And what does it say about our life together here at Julie Church. So first of all, what does it say about us? Well, here's one of the things that it says about us. It says that we are needier than we'd like to admit. You and I, I think if we're honest, we despise neediness in ourselves and we see it as a weakness in other people. But sheep, if we're sheep, that means we have huge needs. Philip Keller in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalms 23 says this, when all is said and done, the welfare of any flock is entirely dependent upon the management afforded them by their owner or their shepherd. Sheep left alone, here's what they'll do, and this is documented. They will eat the entirety of a patch of grass that they're standing in. And when that's all done, they won't go over to the next 
patch of grass, but they'll literally begin to eat the excrement of the other sheep until they die. That's what sheep are. They need a shepherd. They need someone to tell them, okay, now it's time to go somewhere else. They are absolutely needy. Another author writes this, left to themselves, sheep will not and cannot last very long. Just about any other domestic animal can be returned to the wild and will stand a fighting chance of survival, but not a sheep. Put a sheep in the wild and you've just given nature a snack. They are completely helpless. In fact, I saw this video. It it got circled around pastors because we thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Maybe you've seen it. Let Let me show you this little quick video of what sheep are like. Man, I I could watch that like a hundred times. It gets funnier and funnier every time I watch it. Until I realize actually that is what the Bible's saying about me, that that I am needier than I care to admit, that I, I just jump in a, and I get into trouble and then I get out of trouble and then I jump right back in, that I am needier than I care to admit. So that's what the Bible's saying when we're sheep. It's also saying that we are more impressionable than we think. And man, sheep are impressionable. In 2005, uh, the BBC reported this story of hundreds of sheep that rushed off a cliff to their death. Why did they do that? Well, because one sheep did, and then another sheep did, and another sheep did, and then 400 sheep fell to their death. Actually, another 1,100 rushed off the same cliff, but they didn't die because they were sufficiently cushioned by the pillow of fluffy carcasses and... That's what we are. We are impressionable. We just follow the herd. And man, 2020, and I guess 2021 now, is a case study in that. The last 18 months, I mean, our, our country has just gone crazy. We've all gone to our corners and, and narratives and conspiracies and theories and all kinds of stuff from all over the place. And has, has, we've been filled with rage and anger and, and mistrust and outrage. And we're not being shepherded by truth. We're being shepherded by, by, by narrative. And it's been revealing, actually. I hope to you and to others, like the way that we're, we're wired. It reminds me of what God says with great compassion to his people in Ezekiel 34. It says, and they became food for wild beasts. I look back at 2020, I just see people being devoured, being pulled away from the true and living God. They become food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with no one to search for them. We've just, we just follow the herd. We just follow the herd. We, we get that from all over the place. We get that from news media. We get that from social media. I mean, there's an executive from Facebook who anonymously said this. He said, we just put information into the bloodstream of the internet and then we watched it grow. Give it a little push here every now and again and watch it take shape. And then he talks about how insidious it was. He says, and this, this stuff infiltrates the online community, but with no branding. So it is untrackable. No one knows where it comes from, but it, it just, we just follow the herd. Um, this environment, uh, one author said, is, is described it as the ideal environment to manipulate people. It's an, an environment of volatility, of uncertainty, of confusion and anger. And, and we're being moved around like sheep. Doctor, one, one psychologist said this, human beings are herd animals. We survive only in highly coordinated groups. Individually, we are designed to pick up social cues and coordinate and align our behavior around those 
who are around us. That's the term virtue signaling comes from. We just want to be in step. Recent research, they said, she said, uh, has shown that social disapproval provokes the brain's danger circuits. Let me say it again. Recent research has shown that social disapproval provokes the brain's danger circuits. Conformity sues it. Man, we are more impressionable than we think. That's what the Bible's saying. And this, this, has, this has shaped how we view the pandemic. This has shaped how we view COVID. This has shaped how we view our brother, our sisters, our country, other countries. It is shaping everything. We are more impressionable than you realize. The question isn't so much if we're following, but who are we following? So we're sheep and the world would condemn sheep. The world, we would condemn sheep. We look down on sheep. The world looks down on sheep. I just want you to know that the Bible does not look down on sheep. When the Bible is communicating to us that we are sheep, this is not, this is not trying, this is not a dig on us. It never condemns us for being sheep. In fact, the opposite, Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He didn't condemn them. He had compassion for them for they were harassed and helpless. He looks out at 2020. He looks out 2021. He sees the carnage. He sees his sheep scattered all throughout, being led by all different kinds of voices. And he has compassion on us because we are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It is not language meant to push us down, but rather pull us in so that we could be lifted higher than we could ever think or imagine. He does not condemn us for being sheep. The Bible does not condemn us for being sheep. Rather though, it does urge us to acknowledge that we are sheep. Our natural instinct is to resist this. I feel it when I see this thing. It's like, man, that's not true of me. These stats are not true of me. But the sooner we come to terms with them, they will actually be a springboard into incredible freedom and joy. Your need, your design as a sheep will get you into trouble. But when you admit that you are a sheep, it will get you into salvation. It will bring you freedom and joy. I mean, Jesus said this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit is expressed our emptiness, our poverty apart from God, that we are needy, that we are dependent, that we will run off the cliff just like everyone else unless we have a shepherd. So one of the things it's saying about us and it's saying about God is saying that we have a profound need for shepherding. We have a profound need to be shepherded. Our relationships, our environments, what we watch, what we listen to, it all points to the fact that we are herd creatures. And it's into our humanity and our sheepness, if you will, that Jesus says, look, I am the good shepherd. And he compares and contrasts himself in John 10 between his voice and all the other voices that we have out there. And so calling us sheep says something about us, but more importantly, it says something about Jesus. What does it say about Jesus? Well, he says that he lays down his life for a sheep. Uh, this is really an indictment. Jesus is making an indictment. He makes it here. He makes it in places like Ezekiel 34, which I've already mentioned about bad shepherding, about bad leadership. Every sheep needs a shepherd and there's a lot of bad ones out there. 
They're the hired hand. They're, it's a gig to them. But for him, he lays down his life for the sheep. He leads the sheep. He feeds the sheep. He speaks to the sheep. He protects the sheep. He really, really cares for you. He's pursuing you. He loves you. He's wanting to gather you. It's like, so I'm gonna show you this picture here it's of, of this pen and what it might have would have looked like when Jesus was referring to this. You'll notice the gap in the door. What a shepherd would do, he would literally lay down in front of the door. So when he says, Jesus, I am the door, I think it says that earlier. I don't know if we read this, but he says, I am the door. He's saying, I am going to stand in front of anything that would harm you. See, back then, there was danger everywhere, ravenous wolves and other beasts that would come and attack the sheep. Wolves surrounding. And what Jesus is saying, he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. I have this servant leadership. I will get in the way of anything that will harm you. And our greatest enemies are Satan, sin, and death. Genesis 4, 7, God warns Cain. He says this, he says, sin is crouching at your door. Here's the thing, sin is crouching at your door. It wants you, it desires you, it is, wants to have you. Satan, sin, and death is after you. And the truth is that, that, that our sin follow us and with our sin comes guilt. With our sin comes shame and doubt and fear and, and all the things that we would say bring our life to a screeching halt. And Jesus says, I, get, I am the one that gets in the way between you and your sin, your sin uh, and Satan. And they're like ravenous wolves with blood dripping from their teeth and they're apt to get you. But he says, they won't get you because they'll get me. When you are in Christ, when you're in that pen, when you get in that pen, nothing will harm you ultimately because of Christ. He is the good shepherd, but he's also a lamb. It's prophesied in Isaiah 53 and then proclaimed by John the Baptist that he is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, lamb just is not a synonym for sheep. A lamb is a baby sheep. This is like vulnerability. The great shepherd, the God of the universe became very vulnerable for us. And he became lunch for us. He took on death for us. He became death for us. Revelation 7, 17 says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So he absorbed death for us. And he's the one who takes on sin. So sin and death and shame and guilt and all the things that come with death, he has absorbed for us. He became the perfect lamb. He became the innocent lamb slaughtered for us. And now he can lead us and protect us. And he leads us by uh, streams of living water. Even when there's chaos, even in the middle of the, the pain and the suffering and the what's going on with our world, he's leading us and he is feeding us. And he always gives us green pastures. He always gives us still waters. In the face of bloody, snarling evil, he will not abandon you. It doesn't mean that you won't suffer. It doesn't mean you won't be afraid, but the scriptures say that he has dismantled the powers of darkness. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you know, those snake charmers, like the, the big secret, of course, is that they sow the mouths of these cobras. So they look scary, but they can never harm anyone. That's why, that's why, that's why um, sin is to us. It's the way evil is to us. It looks scary, but it can never harm us if you are in Christ. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, it means 
that we need to learn. It means a lot of things, but it definitely means this. It means we need to trust the shepherd at his word. So he says in this passage, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Uh, in verse 10, it says that he has come to bring life and more abundantly. So it means to trust in his goodness. Uh, it means that we wrestle with this idea that God is the one who brings life. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's easy to obey Jesus. I mean, there's some things that sometimes it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's easy to obey Jesus, but sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes we're not sure. Sometimes we think, is this really good for me because I'm kind of wired this way and doesn't God want me to be happy and shouldn't I pursue this? I know the Bible says I shouldn't. And so sometimes it's really, really hard to trust God. But to, to, but to know that you're a sheep and to know that he is a good shepherd means to trust him at his word. Sometimes we think like, yeah, I know God says this, but I'm sure there's like a little asterisk by that with my picture on it. Like certainly he doesn't mean me. And man, we are so quick to, to forget verses like, there is a way that seems right to man that leads to death. And we think that verse is for our enemy. Oh yeah, they shouldn't be doing that because no, that's, we need to apply that to us because they're sheep and we're sheep. This verse is for me. The imagery of a shepherd is a one that goes to great length to love and to care and to provide and to, be, to bring close. And, and this desire to care and to love is, 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 is partnered with his authority and his, his leadership and his guidance. And, and we trust him that he's our savior, but yeah, he's our shepherd, he's our leader. We, we follow him. And it really brings us to this point of like, what do we think about what God thinks of us? So when you think about, I'll ask it this way. What do you think about when you think about what God thinks about you? A lot of us think, three th think these three things. We think one, we think God thinks about us the way we think about us, which is, I know doesn't make sense when you say it out loud, but if you think about it, we think God thinks about us the way we think about it. So if we've had a bad day, we think, God, we think God's mad at us. If we've had a good day, we think God's happy with us. And we generally have that view. And if you have that view, that's gonna keep you from trusting and receiving the goodness and grace of God because God would absolutely argue with you. I mean, look, in Isaiah 1, 18, he says, come now, let's reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like Scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become wool. Yes, you had a bad day, you sinned, but if you are in Christ, he loves you, he protects you, and he sees you through the perfection of his son. So sometimes we've, it's how we view ourselves. Sometimes we view God the way others view us. So whatever people are saying about us is how we view, is how we think God views us. Or sometimes how culture views us is how we think God views us. So if we are educated or if we have made um, something with our life financially, we, we, we think of ourselves on, so whatever everyone else thinks about us is the way that we think about us. But the apostle Paul is super helpful when he says in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, he's getting pressured. He's feeling pressure from all these outside forces to be this way and to be that way. And I don't know if you felt that way, recently, but Paul felt this pressure to be different, to conform and all these voices. And, and he had to do this. And this is what you and I have to do. He had to turn down the volume. So he turned down the volume of what other people thought of him. So he said, what you think of me is a very small thing. He said that to the Corinthians. And then he said, but I don't judge myself. I, 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 just because I don't, I, I, don't, I don't judge myself for it's the Lord who judges. So he had to turn down the volume of the voices of others. And here's the hard one. He had to turn down the volume of his own voice and he had to crank up the volume of his voice. 
So we got to trust him that we need to um, listen to him. That means getting in his word. It means also getting in the fold. That's where the protection is. That's where you, we are led. We're not individual sheep all over. You know, an individual sheep is a dead sheep. A lone ranger is a dead ranger. There is no individual Christian. 87% of Christians in America right now think that they can have a thriving relationship with Jesus apart from a local church, apart from a flock. That is an imaginary Jesus. That is not the God of the Bible. You need to be in a fold. You need to be in a flock. You need to be a part. You need to be in the pen. That's where Jesus is. That's where Jesus is gathering his people. That's where Jesus is gathering his church. And you need to be a part of a community that sees Jesus as their shepherd. So you need to be around people who are following Jesus, not just people who claim to be Christian. Because unfortunately, there are wolves out there that look like sheep, which makes this really, really hard, I know. But you need to find people who are looking to Jesus, not looking to Christian information, not looking to this guru and this guy and this person. They are looking to Jesus. They are looking to the shepherding voice of Jesus. So we need to get in his fold and, 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 and. We need to be shepherding sheep, okay? <laughs> Follow me here. So we need, there needs to be more laborers. In Ezekiel, God is hot over bad shepherding, right? So the shepherds, you read Ezekiel 34, God is mad at, sh at the shepherds of Israel. They were over-shepherding and they were under-shepherding. They were either being uh, overbearing or they were just kind of like hands off, not caring, not loving. And he's also mad at the fat sheep for not taking care of the lean sheep. So what, what is the conclusion there? One is that there needs to be more laborers. In fact, Jesus said that in um, Matthew nine, when he says, look, man, I have compassion on these sheep. They're all over the place. They're scattered. They are like sheep without a shepherd. He says, therefore, we need to pray that there be more laborers into the, God, God wants you in shepherding relationships. He wants to bring you under him in, into his fold. And he wants to bring you around up under, shepherd, under shepherds, which means leaders and it means other Christians. So here's what you need to do. I wanna invite you to step forward in being a shepherd for someone else. Be a leader, be a, a community group leader. In fact, that is the big, that's the big call to action over these next four weeks. One, you need to get in a group. You need to be in the fold. And secondly, I would invite you to say, okay, I'm not gonna just be a fat sheep and just eat what I can. And then who cares about the skinny sheep who are starving, who need someone around them to show them where the food is. I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna step in the gap. And then Jesus talks about in John said, more than just those who are in, he talks about people who are not yet a part of the fold. So one of the things it means, it means to be always looking outward. You know, we have the saying that we want all people to know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. And all means as many people as possible, all means all kinds too. And that's what Jesus is talking about. It wasn't just to ethnic Israel, but it was to Gentiles, it was the Samaritans, it was to all the earth. And so to, to see yourself as a sheep and to see him as a great shepherd, yes, we need to trust him, lead him. We need to follow him. We need to, we need to uh, trust the shepherd at his word. We need to get in the fold. We need to be shepherding sheep and we need to be those who are willing to go out, who are willing to go out and say, yes, I, there, are, there are people who are not yet a part of the fold who need to be a part of the fold and you're a part of a church. If you're a part of Jubilee Church, if you're looking to be a part of a church, we're serious about this. 
we're serious about helping all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. Both here in uh, the cities that we represent, whether that be Washington, the lake, uh, Sunset Hills, uh, South City, yes, and amen, Missouri, the nation, uh, the world. I mean, we're involved in places all over the world, Turkey, Iran, Iraq, other places in the Middle East, can't even talk about. Or Christians are, I mean, things are thriving and, 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 but also under a lot of attack and persecution. We're into this and, and, and we're serious about it. And I wanna invite you to be serious about it. I wanna invite you to be like, oh yeah, I'm a sheep. First of all, man, get serious about his word. Get serious about his voice. Get serious about being a part of his flock and get serious about helping those who are weak as well as going outside, uh, outside of this fold to say, hey, we wanna reach our neighbors and our nations. I'm gonna pray for us. This is a big vision that we have. And we're gonna, over the next several weeks, we're gonna unpack this. But I just wanna pray that God would prepare your heart and prepare your mind and prepare your schedule uh, to be led by him and to be a part of his flock. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you love us so much, that you laid down your life for us. You are truly the good shepherd. And God, I just pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that we would have hearts and minds and schedules that love you and follow you and trust you. There's so many voices out there and God, may we be, may we hear your voice. We, everybody else has a hired hand. Everybody else has a gig. Our politicians, it's a gig. Um, our, you know, the media, it's a gig for them, but God, you are the true shepherd. You are the only one who lays down your life for us. God, may we see the love that you have for us. God, I just wanna speak against uh, the, principalities and powers and, and, and spirits and voices that would lie to us, God. You are the good shepherd. You are the one that loves us. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that we would, um, Lord, that we would learn more and more to fall into and come under your loving leadership. Amen.